Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. While my core business and expertise is construction and development, I own several businesses in two other arenas, real estate, including sales, finance, and insurance, and construction product companies like cabinetry, flooring, and interior design firm that creates jaw-dropping impressions when someone walks through the door. These three areas allow me to be a better builder and solely focused on luxury homes valued at over $1 million. We service every facet along the residential home journey. Buy, sell, design, build, finance, furnish, and maintain. I have won 10 National Aurora Awards for standout kitchen and bath design and build projects. And the Ramos family name is synonymous with thousands of successful residential and commercial construction projects in the Southeast United States since 1956. Let Ramos Design Build help you with the home of your dreams today. Call 813-259-1111 or go to ramosdesignbuild.com. Let me help you make your dream a reality. The real estate market is open. Ramos Design Build is Tampa Bay's premier construction company. This is a program where the real estate experts are live. Whether buying, selling, building, or designing, Ramos has the answers. Now, here's the area's best resource for all things real estate, James Ramos. This is the Move With Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build. And James, you know, it's that time of year. People are looking around. They're trying to get that feeling about what's going to happen and, and how to pursue their house. And, you know, there's always that great dilemma, the dilemma of renovate or sell, buy something new. Uh, when you look at a house and we, we constantly hear about, like, ceilings, ceilings, ceilings. Why, why do ceilings and low-hanging ceilings, for example, why are they a big deal when it comes to a person who is going to purchase a product or renovate a product? You know, it's the first thing you see, you know, and it feels like you're closed in, you know, naturally. So when you walk into a house that has high ceilings, it's just, you know, what would be a, the assumption is it's a newer home. It's been renovated or, mm -hmm. you know, it was built after, you know, 75 or, you know, after 80. But um, doesn't mean it's it's a good home just because the ceilings are high. But definitely, that's a huge deterrent. So when somebody's going out and looking to either renovate or knock down and build, you know, a lot of times the renovations don't consist of raising the roof. Mm -hmm. It's quite expensive because you start doing that, you might as well just tear the house down. Yeah. Why did you say uh, after 1970 that they started raising the ceilings? What was it about that time period when it came to design well, the, that they... Well, actually, even going back farther in the 50s, you know, mid-century modern, they came back after World War II and people started living in smaller homes. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and it wasn't just the size of the homes were smaller, but it had a lot of characteristics and there was a lot of cool stuff, you know, about it where there's, you know, larger overhangs and just the way that the mid-century modern homes were. Um, from a contemporary standpoint. So it was a huge movement. But um, when you walk in these homes, the ceilings were lower because it's a savings of air condition. You know, it's, it's, you, you know, it's it, electricity is lower, you know, it's just a cheaper home to maintain. It's cheaper to build because there's not the extra couple courses of block or if it's frame mm -hmm. um, that you have to build. And um, you know, folks just would rather have higher ceilings. So they, they like the mid century modern look, you know, the newer, the people who want the modern or contemporary homes, yet they want, you know, 10 foot and up, Yeah. you know, ceilings if you're going to build new. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just kind of interesting because it's like, who, who would have thought that this, that, that the idea of ceilings would be like a major deterrent. So you say you're walking into a house and, and you see your, your buddy's house and he's saying, James, to, to be or not to be, what do I do here? Uh, I've got, and you like do the, take the measuring tape out and he's got, you know, seven foot ceilings or seven foot 
five inch ceilings or whatever it is. What, what is your recommendation to someone like that? Well, it's all about compromise, you know, and I know that's, uh, you know, a better positive word is trade-offs, but, um, you know, it's about, it's about trade-offs and compromise. So if you find a property that's in a great location and you're willing to trade off and have an older home that has, you know, seven to eight foot ceilings, then, then it's okay. You know, but from a standpoint of, you know, if you were building new, you would never build seven to eight foot ceilings. Mm-hmm. You know, you would want higher ceilings. And I'm not talking about 12, 12 and up. I mean, once you get past 10 feet, you know, that's pretty high. Yeah. Um, you know, a 10 foot ceiling to change a light bulb, you need to be like three quarters of the way up on a six foot ladder. Yeah. You know, so it's, so it's quite high, Yeah. but, but seven feet, you know, you can, you know, a, a six foot guy, you can put your arm up and touch the ceiling and. You know, if you have kids in the house, you know, they're always jumping up to touch the ceiling. And, you know, <laughs> have a 12 year old. We live in a Knock mid-century. <laughs> yeah, we live in a mid-century modern house. And and my son's always like, you know, jumping up and hit, you know, touching the ceiling to show me, how, you know, how high he can jump. And I'm like, can you stop that? You know, this is not a basketball court. He's playing basketball now. So, yeah, you know, and I know his little paws are dirty, you know, half the time. So, you know, fingerprints and stuff on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, stuff, but. Yeah, it, as the city of Tampa continues to grow, I mean, are you seeing kind of? So I, I guess the question is, when you start looking around at the marketplace, and uh, we'll be talking to John Verratti later on in the program. He's a demo specialist. Um, is it almost like the the way that the city of Tampa and just basic postmodernism was? It's basically now you've got to tear down and build something up, or can you renovate that? I mean, well, so say raising yeah. the ceilings. What yeah, does a job so, like that look like? So, so here's here's my thought process in raising the ceilings. It's nothing is 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 not doable. It's all doable. But when you look at it, you know, let's just analyze it and start from you know from A to Z, right? So the first thing that has to occur is is your your roof system has to be removed and then put back on, right? Yeah. So any contractor or you know you know or subcontractor however you want to do it whether you permit it yourself as the owner or you get a contractor to permit the point is is that you know when you take that roof off you know you have to put visqueen or some sort of tenting over your home you know and 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 you're you're ultimately going to have your floor ruined mm-hmm. or something you know so so basically you're like oh well let's just say you know, somebody does it and the, 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 they're like, it doesn't matter. The floor can be ruined. You're like, okay, so we're going to replace the floors too. You're like, yeah, we're going to replace the floors too. So then it gets to a point where we're like, okay, so we're going to raise your ceiling, which means that we're going to redo your roof. And we're also going to replace your floors. What else are we going to do? And they're like, oh, I want my kitchen cabinets done. And I want, you know, some walls moved. And, and before you know it, you're like, well, why don't we just tear the house down? They're like, oh no, that's going to be too expensive. But you see what I'm yeah. going? I mean, so basically you know, there's no way that a builder can guarantee that your floors aren't going to be scratched yeah. or water may go in, you know, so, so nobody will, you know, sign off on that and say, okay, um, you know, we'll, we'll raise the roof and, and, you know, we're guaranteed unless, you know, I build some structure over your house that is, you know, what you would see up in the North, Yeah. you know, when it's cold, you know, they have these structures that they build over the home, 
you know, so they can build through through the cold season, yeah. you know, which are, you know, super expensive homes when they do that type of stuff. But but it's more to do it. I mean, it's more to do with, you know, what are the other things that it's going to impact because it's going to rain. Yeah. And it rains here all the time. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder myself, I mean, because obviously, you know, as as generations, they come and they go, you know, the next gen, the next gen, so to speak, they like different things. Like the one generation, as you mentioned, they came back from the World Wars and they said, you know, low ceilings, fine. I'll save money here, save money there. The next gen's like, yeah, no, 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 pop this thing up. I'm, I feel like I'm being, I feel like I'm being crammed down. I'm being suffocated here. I mean, how, how, when you go about designing a, a Ramos custom home, how do you go about anticipating what the next generation might be looking for, for either resale value or for being, or for it being passed down from generation to generation? How do you go about uh, uh, putting a house together that has that lasting power? You know, that's a great question because. You, th- you, you think about today, mm-hmm. you know, and you just assume it's going to be this way forever. Right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And, th- and that's what you, you know, and that's how we design. So, but it's funny because it can't be this way forever, but what we're doing today versus yesteryear, I mean, our, our kitchens are more open to, you know, to family rooms. A lot of people are opting out of the dining room mm-hmm. and they're bringing their dining room table inside their family room when we're designing custom, you yeah. know, in brand new homes. That bothers and, me, though. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's then, like everyone's course, there, everyone's so uh, so on the move. I mean, I'm not saying like you know the the old Italian and you know you being Spanish, Cuban, Italian, me being Italian. You know the old Italian dinners where it's like two and a half, three hours sits down. You sit down at like six thirty. You're not leaving the table till ten p.m. And, and you know your grandmothers are bringing you know just just plate yeah. after plate after plate or dish after dish. I'm not talking about that, but I mean, don't you have like forty five minutes to just sit at the table and just be a family like don't, doesn't anybody have that time anymore yeah i mean i'm i'm hopeful that they do you know but but as far as um you know what more and more people are wanting they're wanting that open floor plan and, yeah and they're they're replacing the di- you know, it's not like the dining room table is going away mm-hmm. they're just bringing the dining room table in their kitchen yeah is, is really what they're doing and a lot of people want to have access to the tv you know from the dining room whether they like it or not you know whether it's good or bad the point is is that you know, if you're eating breakfast, it's at the same table that you're eating dinner and it happens to be, you know, an, an eye shot away to the TV, mm. you know, whether you, you know, that's not, you know, something that I can control, whether they you know, <laughs> sit and watch TV while they eat and things like that. But, but, um, so my assumption is, is that, that families in the future are only going to want what we're doing, right. Which may not be right. But, but at the end of the day, when you look back at some of these homes in, in the Tampa Bay area, whether it's Clearwater, St. Pete and the older, older parts, you know, the kitchens were typically in the front of the house, you know, so they face the front, you know, which kind of makes sense, right? So your kids are playing in the back, you know, in the front yard and your kitchen, is, but they were typically smaller, like whether they're a shotgun, you know, like bowling alley, you know, they definitely were walled, you know, mm-hmm. which kind of, kind of made sense because if you have a wall, you can put an upper cabinet on, but they're definitely more closed in, you know, from the past. And then the really big homes that were off Bayshore and things like that, the kitchens were you know, meant to have staff. Yeah. So they had the swing door and, you know, a small little kitchen and that's where the staff worked and they would bring the food out, you know, so I'm assuming that we're not going to go back to that. Um, <laughs> we, we might <laughs> anytime soon, seeing yeah. that most families have, you know, two spouses working and two mm-hmm. and a half kids type thing. Yeah. But, but it's, it's definitely uh, different. 
Yeah, no, it definitely is different. We'll continue our conversation here with the Move Me program. I'm Dan Maduri. He's James Ramos. Go to Ramos Design and Build or jamesramos.com. Uh, John Verratti will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He's Demo specialist talking about tearing down houses and removing vacants and all sorts of all sorts of cutting fiber optic cables. We'll talk to him about all sorts of stuff. So John Verratti will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Move Me program continues. So continue our conversation here at the Move With Me program. Dan Maduri, James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build. You know, it, you keep hearing that conversation taking place of like the bubble, the bubble, the bubble, the bubble. But then you, you look at key uh, uh, tells about the real estate marketplace. And it really does seem like uh, the real estate marketplace is strong. So why is there this, this, this seemingly in vogue conversation taking place that we're in the midst of another bubble. It's only a matter of time till it pops and that it's going to pop soon. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's in the back of a lot of people's minds. I mean, the recession was, was not too long ago, you know? So what folks need to realize though, is that there's a growing number of population, which is called the millennials that are still living with their parents and they're renting all these great apartments that we see going up in channel side and all around South Tampa and and you know greater tampa bay area so these folks are going to be wanting homes very soon hopefully unless they you know as soon as the parents stop feeding them in their you know great dinners and stuff in their, in their houses <laughs> you know so these guys and gals are going to be moving out wanting homes and things like that so so it is definitely in the back of folks minds but we do have a long runway here and yeah. when i when, when i say that is is that you know we're in the tampa bay area and we're in florida in general so you know, I like to joke around as long as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, we're going to be sitting pretty yeah. in, in the state of Florida. But there's a lot of growth, not just in residential, but there's there's more and more growth in commercial. We're seeing, you know, buildings going up all over the place and more retail, more office space, more apartments, multifamily. And, you know, certain pockets of the Tampa Bay area have a super low inventory, meaning there's just not much to pick from. There's not many homes on the market. Yeah which is strong. You know, it's good, strong indicators that this economy's uh, very strong and it's going to keep on growing. Yeah. So for, so from your perspective, as the marketplace keeps uh, continuing to be strong, how do you go about uh, educating the person who might be getting that Ramos custom design home? How do you go about educating them when it comes to, you know, just, just price point, what to expect, just the overall design process, you know, how long you're going to be living out someplace else before you can move in. How does that whole conversation take place? You know, it depends on what level they're at. And what I mean by that is, is that if they've been looking for a long time, you know, or they've, they've talked and I'm maybe the fourth person that they're talking to. So in those cases, they're a lot more educated mm -hmm. and it comes out and, and is received a lot easier, but there's times where you're meeting the the person for the first time, or this is the first time they're actually interacting with a design build firm, or, you know, we have the remaxes. So I get people that come in by way of one of our agents and they, they want to build something, but you know, a lot of times, you know, they're just asking for stuff that can't be done. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, you know, the price point of the homes have gone up. Um, and it's not just, you know, the builder, you know, yeah. charging more, it's just the cost of, of material and labor 
is just a little bit higher than it was before. Yeah. And there's more competition. So it's almost better. It's, it's, I was going to say, it's almost um, better if somebody uh, who has the money, just so someone to wait for wait for the market to crash and then look to build their home. Yeah. Well, because then mean, people need may, the work, you may right? Be waiting, yeah, you may be waiting a long time. Yeah. And your money's going to be in something. Yeah. So, so potentially that's what the millennials maybe are doing. There's just a whole onslaught of people renting these. You know, yeah. great apartments. I, I'm yeah. just joking around, but, but, um, yeah, I don't think that you hate the fact that they rent apartments. You bring it up all the time. No, I, well, it's just amazing. Cause there's more and more apartments. And I, and I realize that a lot of these buildings are designed to be converted to condos. Yeah. Um, so that's their, that's their back end strategy. You know, a lot of the developers and the REITs who are buying these buildings, they, they have the ability to convert them to condos, but, um, it's just, it's, it's great. You know, I'm actually excited because I see, you know, these people are smart people. They're not just building buildings and putting apartments up just for the fun of it, you know, because mm-hmm. they don't have anything else better to do. But they're doing it because they see the rents are obviously increasing. They see that there's more need. And quite frankly, when you go around these these nice apartment complexes, a lot of them are full. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's like storage units. There's a lot of storage units that, that are like at, you know, 90, 90 to 98% occupied. Yeah. So you just wonder like, where are all these people coming from? But, but it's all good stuff. Um, you know, when you see that, but, but there's, although there's comp, you know, going back to what we're talking about, although there's competition, there's still a lot more costs that are involved in doing, you know, what we did, you know, years ago, just inflation and things like that. Yeah. You know, so, so when you're walking people through and they're, and they're asking, you know, Hey, what should I do? You know, it's all about their budget and it's about doing, you know, putting the money where they're going to get the most value. And typically, like I've mentioned in the past, it's the kitchen, it's their floor plan. You know, it's the kitchen and family room layout, which is important. The ceiling heights, which we talked about today. And then it goes directly to the master suite, you know, so people want to have, you know, a shower and a tub, you know, if you're building a new house, you know, that's, that's quite expensive. You're going to want a separate shower and a tub. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to want a closed toilet area, you know, water closet, we call it. And you're going to want some basic stuff. And then after that, it's just, you know, a matter of putting, whether it's porcelain tower, if they can afford marble or hardwood floors versus tile and things like that, you know, yeah. which, which is all important stuff to walk people through and to make sure that they're fitting through their budget. Yeah. But more importantly, that they're spending the right amounts based on their total project. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, how, how do you have that conversation with a person? Obviously, it's emotional when, uh, you know. They're they're getting involved and you know they're starting to see the money and now they're now they're proud now they're now they're into it and now it's about now they want to maybe kick it up. I mean, how do you have that that conversation with a person saying like like you know nobody wants to be told they can't afford anything and well, so how do you have that conversation? You know, the first the most important piece is the is the transfer that authority or that thought that we're just we're not a salesperson we're sort of a consultant yeah so we're we're not here to tell you that you can't get carpet from you know someplace and it's only this much. So it's, it's, it, those, those items are set aside. Yeah. It's about saying, look, if you have a budget of $500,000 to build this house, excluding your land, this is the percentages that you should, you should allocate toward these things. Um, and a lot of the things, you know, there's like 30 some things, you know, from the demolition, let's say if there's a house there, if there's not a house there, then it's the site work and then it's the block and it's the, you know, it's the structure, the shell, or it's the mechanicals, it's the sheetrock. Um, the insulation and then all the, you know, fixtures and equipment and things like that. So, so a lot of times, you know, if you're spending 500, there's a certain amount that should go toward appliances. You know, let's say if it's $10,000, right? If the client is is saying, Hey, I want a $30,000 stuff, you got to make up $20,000 mm-hmm. or the house is going to cost 
520,000. Yeah. It's real simple. So as soon as we make that connection, you know, with the client and then they realize that, Hey, we're just a consultant for you in the design process. We're helping you do things proper. So we're not wasting your time, wasting our time and wasting your money. You know, they get it and they realize like, okay, I realize that I have $10,000. This is the proper amount. If you still want to spend the extra amount for appliances or whatever it may be, you know, then it's fine. We just want to make sure that we, you know, we're not trying to pull rabbits out of the hat in the ninth inning. Yeah. So, so when you, when you, what is the, the, the kind of the kookiest request or, or story that you've ever had associated with, uh, with the designing a house for somebody? The top ones are, you know, doing something, uh, designing a home that is not even to a budget that's even relevant, mm-hmm. you know? So we had a client that came in the other day and they wanted a home. They had it, that had it drawn and the home was, you know, was like a $500,000 home. They were asking us if we could build it for 300,000, <laughs> you know? So in those, you know, and, and then you ask, you know, how many people have you talked with? And they had talked with, you know, over eight. So, and then I was like, well, why hasn't that changed your mind? And then the conversation came up where, you, you know, the, the two owners, the two, you know, owners of the land, they were like, just bitter. They're like, I can't believe why things cost this much. And they had built a house like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And they're like, why? You know, that's like, I don't, you know, it's the economy. <laughs> yeah. It was just tough. Do you, know, you have time for macroeconomics? Yeah, I don't think you have time exactly. for that conversation. Yeah, I, I wanted to whip goes. out my whiteboard and start drawing charts and things, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I see, you've never gotten a request of like, uh, yes, I want, uh, I want uh, driftwood from like the deep of the the heart of the Amazon or anything like that. Oh yeah, we get we get plans all the time, and and a lot of times the architects will will spec things that are exotic, and um, we'll want to know where we should get this stuff from. And a lot of times they don't know. They're like, Hey, well, I, you know, the client just showed me a picture. So I drew it. So we're like, okay, who's going to spend the, the 12 hours trying to find Becky Cypress that are, you know, expe- you know, specifically for this application and things like that. So, so yeah. Does that there's... help resell value? I mean, does it, because doesn't it, doesn't it then again, put you in the marketplace of just a very, very specific buyer? Well, it does help resale value, but it's all in the package though. You know, it's not just one particular thing. So it's like buying a Mercedes Benz and then you just have a really cool, you know, hood ornament, but yeah. everything else is like, you know, looks like, yeah. you know, a cheaper car. So it's, it's in the entire package, you know, so if you're going to have certain things and that's why I stick to the percentages. So it's real important to, to make sure that the percentages are kind of relevant. And if you want to overspend in a few things, it's not a big deal. You know, so let's say if a typical pool costs 25,000 and you wanted to add, you know, an extra, you know, rock wall or, or, or waterfall or things like that, you spend an extra five or whatever, not yeah. a big deal. It's just when people are like, okay, a pools are 25, 30 and I want to get a $80,000 pool, you know, you need to make sure that the, you know, that that's almost double. Yeah. So the rest of the home should potentially be double, mm-hmm. you know, so your flooring should be, should look extra special. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, if you want it to be logical. Yeah. You know, you, but you, a lot you, of times, these the, are, this is personal stuff. Yeah. So, so a lot of times it's illogical like, and that's what they want and it's fine. Yeah. You don't want the pool looking like a, yeah. uh, a masterpiece just, in the rest of the house. Just, yeah. yeah. Just, just, you like look at the pool, look at the house. And these things don't look yeah. like they go to. We'll continue our conversation here on the Move Me program. Uh, John Verratti joining us next, demolition expert. James Ramos here of Ramos Design and Build.
We're back. This is James Ramos with the Move With Me radio program. I'm here with John Varati. John's with Magnum Demolition. Um, he's a good friend of mine. We work together on quite a bit of jobs. His his uh, website is magnumdemo.com. How you doing, John? Hi, how's it going? Thanks for coming today. So tell me, um, you know, the basics. I, you know, when, when somebody says uh, demolition, it, you know, it comes to, oh, is it, you know, an explosion? You know, how do you, what do you do to these homes? Is it a big ball, big wrecking ball? But tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the basics of, of what you do day in and day out. Uh, basically, uh, when we uh, get a project to do, uh, we'll uh, transport our heavy equipment to the site, which is typically like a hydraulic excavator. So there's uh, no big wrecking balls, you know, no that big... swing from, you know, 50 yards away and then no, knocking no, down we houses. We generally don't do that anymore. Uh, it was done in the past, but now it's uh, hydraulic excavators. And uh, they range anywhere from like 14 uh, tons up to uh, 30 tons. We use the uh, smaller ones on the uh, houses. Uh, we do a lot of houses down in South Tampa. Uh, and we'll use the uh, 14 uh, metric ton hydraulic excavator down there. Basically, they'll just pull in there. Uh, we check the site out uh, prior to uh, actually knocking the house down. We'll clear the house, make sure there's nobody in it, no uh, vagrants or anything like that. Right. Uh, check to make sure that all the utilities are uh, taken care of and then uh, that they're all disconnected. And then uh, they'll just uh, start knocking it down with the hydraulic excavator. Typically, uh, a house only takes about an hour at the most to knock down and then the trucks just show up and uh, start hauling the debris off. We did a house on Bayshore together and um, we ended up doing a radio show with the, with the ex mayor. And uh, it was funny cause they had interviewed me and you were, you know, you were in it for like 30, 40 minutes and the house was already down. And um, mayor Greco had said, Oh my God, the house is almost down. He was, you know, his back was towards, you know, to the, to the uh, house and, and, um, you know, it goes down pretty fast. If, if anybody's been, been near a demo site, um, in, in your neighborhood, it's pretty amazing the stuff that you do. So the excavator is like a picker, um, is what I like to see. So it's got the big arm, um, and basically it, it rotates, you know, 360 degrees and then you can go in and pick the house. But what's amazing is, is that, um, you guys do a great job from a standpoint of sustainability. So, so, most of the soffits in, in South Tampa are metal. So you guys will, will rub rub the soffits of the homes and rip down the metal, stop the, or have somebody else that'll pick up the metal and separate it, right? Yeah, um, we try to uh, recycle as much as we can. Actually, uh, we also send a salvage crew through the structure prior to demolition and uh, to see if there's anything that can be reused, not, not necessarily recycled, but just reused in another structure or something like that. Certain fixtures, uh, doors, windows, things like that, that can be reused in other structures. Is it that, what would it be the habitat for humanity or is there any particular? Um, I don't send habitat humanity through, but, uh, some, uh, homeowners do, uh, right. send them through Before. prior to, yeah. Um, I'll just have contract the salvage out for, for somebody to go through the structures and get whatever they can out of it. Um, as far as the uh, material as we're uh, demolishing the structure, we do try to uh, recycle uh, what's valuable for us, the, uh, any scrap uh, metal, like you're saying, the metal soffits, uh, copper pipe, things like that, wire, uh, that will get recycled, taken to a metal recycler. But 
the majority of the recycling is, is the concrete as far as uh, total tonnage that's disposed of. The uh, concrete can typically make up most the bulk of the weight of a house. So all of that is taken to one of the local concrete recyclers. Uh, the main concrete recycler that I use is, is Angelo's Recycled Materials. They have several uh, facilities in the area. So usually. So what do they do with the rebar that's in the middle of a lot of the, uh, the, the rebar ends, and The rebar ends up going to the concrete recycler, and then they'll recover it when they crush, they crush the it. concrete. Yeah. yeah. And then they make stone out of the con- the crushed concrete, or they yeah. make the they make uh, they make a road base that's right. used for roads uh, and driveways uh, for asphalt uh, drives, and they also make pipe bedding material for whenever the uh, utility contractors are installing you know storm sewer pipes and things like that. Very cool, very cool. Well, we're here with John Verratti. He's with Magnum Demo. He's the owner and operator of a great demolition company in South Tampa. He's been around um, in the Tampa Bay area since 79. He started on his own in 1995. So, you know, John, when, when we go, when I walk around, you know, I was born and raised here, my family, my father and his parents, and we've been here for a long time. And it's great to see, you know, I love to see those excavators, you know, coming out of the ground and cranes um, bringing houses and buildings out of the ground. So. I mean, as you you know started in, in this business a long time ago, are you excited about what you're seeing in Tampa Bay? Uh, the uh, there has been a tremendous increase in the amount of work this year uh, from about February onwards. So I'd say there's you know there's been there's a lot more work out there right now, particularly this year. It's it's just expanded tremendously. How are you getting your jobs? I mean, are people are you word of mouth or is it you know bidding and Bidding on databases for commercial work. How, how is it? Uh, it's it's strictly word of mouth now at this point. At the beginning, I was using databases and, and uh, a lot of public works type projects, but it's basically just word of mouth. And there's enough work out there for for everyone basically that that wants to work hard and, and be in the business. Um, there's a lot of work, as you know, in South Tampa, a lot of work going on there, and it's uh, for houses. And it's also crept across to the north side of. Uh, town as well. There's a lot of rebuilds going up there now. North of Kennedy or yes, how far north? North of Kennedy. Like uh, West Tampa area? Or? Yeah, a lot, lots going on in the West Tampa area for, okay. the, uh, for the house demos. We, we do a lot of commercial work as well, and that's kind of spread out throughout the whole area. But the housing I've seen grow from South Tampa northward. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, there's nothing more exciting than to see a, you know, a home coming down, you know? <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just like a rebirth, you know, it's a good feeling just to know that, that something that has, you know, been there is going to get recycled and then there's a new home and a new family or whether it's a new office or a building, um, retail, what have you. Um, that's just exciting for me. So, you know, one of the things that come to mind is, is, okay, so you told us about the steps of demolishing a home. How do you, you know, before you obviously get the job, you have to bid you know, and, and, and you have a contract that's signed and so forth that gives you the autonomy to move forward with a permit and things. So when you're walking in a house, let's say if it's a, you know, 3,000 square foot house, um, you walk every job, right? I would imagine. I mean, you have yeah, to walk through. Every job is looked at. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, what's going through your head? Like how, as you, as you price something. So, cause somebody would want to know like how much, how much does it cost? Yeah, the prices can range uh, over a wide range. Uh, 
a big part of it is uh, when when we when I pull up to a site is can I get my equipment in there? Uh, there are some situations where I, I just can't get my equipment in there, so I you know won't. You'd take have to that use a different job, yeah, yeah something yeah. smaller. You'd have so to I, use a different set of equipment, which could potentially take you longer. Yeah, and and it may not be something that that, you that would I want. would want to get. Yeah, in, okay, okay, I'm with you. But most of the time, uh, for like say our regular house jobs down in South Tampa, the uh, smaller equipment can get in there. So I look for that first, see what uh, what machine I can use in there, what size machine, uh, what size truck can get in there. Uh, some of the areas, uh, you know, only a small truck can get in there, so it takes longer to haul out the debris. Uh, that drives up the cost. And then I just walk the site and see what needs to be demolished and what the customer wants removed from the site. Sometimes it's not just the house. There might be a shed in the back. Got to make sure we can get to it. Maybe uh, some uh, shrubs and uh, things like that around around the structure. Right. So all that's taken into consideration when uh, coming up with the price. And then as far as the actual the size of the home, are you looking at it by how many containers it would fill? Uh, yeah, generally, yeah, how much debris there's going to be. You know, the price is basically based on that. You know, a lot of times, I, you know, I'll go and, and, and meet with folks that call about potentially a renovation, um, and then it turns into, maybe I shouldn't do the renovation here. I wonder if there's anything available that I can just move into. You know, we go through that conversation. And then it ultimately goes down if they decide to do the renovation, um, if it makes sense, you know, from, from a standpoint of, you know, the expenses versus the worth. And, um, you know, I tell people if you're going to renovate, like, you know, do an addition and touch like three quarters more, more than, you know, 50% to, to three quarters of your home, is that sometimes it's not worth even doing the renovation. And it sounds pretty egregious because people are like, well, I, you know, we live here, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. And then, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I just think that where it gets confusing is, is the, the, the value of actually demoing and getting back to where it's at is really not that expensive in the scheme of things because the cost of that renovation is all the finish work and the, and the fixtures and all those expensive items. And a lot of these homes in South Tampa are below, you know, the 11 foot floodplain. So they're doing a renovation on things, you know, that doesn't make sense. So we're here with John Verratti. This is James Ramos. We're going to be back after these messages. is James Ramos with the Move With Me radio program. You can follow me on Twitter at JRTPA. That's JRTPA. My website is jamesramos.com. So click on it, look around, and uh, you can access us by putting in your information, and then we can follow, follow up with you and send you some good stuff weekly. Um, we're here with John Verratti. He's with Magnum Demo. We're just talking about demolition. And John, I was just saying, you know, a lot of people don't realize that it's really in the scheme of, of a renovation or building a new home. It's really not that expensive to demo a home, you know, and as far as the, the amount of spend. And a lot of times, you know, when folks are bent on doing a renovation, you know, they got to really look at the rest of their home. Is the ceilings, you know, going to stay at seven feet or, you know, is your finished floor going to be below the floodplain and you're still going to have to pay flood insurance? All those things come in play to really evaluate whether you should just demo and start from scratch or, you know, do that renovation. But we had talked about, you know, some basic steps of a demolishing a home. 
You mentioned the cost of demolishing a home as far as the, you know, going in with, with your equipment, it can fit, walking the site, seeing what else, any extras, whether it's a shed or things like that. So as far as like the containers, like how, how do you go about pricing as far as, you know, how many containers are filled or do you look at the time and the amount of dumps and things and then you just put a value to it? Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, based on the size of the container that, that we can get in there, uh, I have three different sizes that I normally use, like a regular dump truck is usually 18 yards, uh, a roll-off truck, which you see all, all the time around from different companies. They're anywhere from 20 to 40 yards that they can haul. We try to use 40-yarders for those. And then we also have the big trailers that haul 50 to 60 yards at a time. So the bigger the truck that you can get in there, the more efficient the job is going to be. It'll get done quicker. So that's, that's basically what I use to determine the pricing is. And then um, as far as uh, the concrete, uh, how far away the, the concrete yard is from, from the site. Right. You know, most Which of your jobs sense, yeah. in, in South Tampa, the uh, concrete, uh, you know, doesn't have to go too far to get somewhere. Uh, we also do work in Pinellas as well. So there's a few concrete yards over there that's mm-hmm. spread out. So you just determine how far away, how long it's going to take for you to get rid of the concrete. Now, the concrete uh, can't go into the uh, bigger uh, trailers and that because then they'd be overweight. So basically with that, we have to use the, uh, the regular 18-yard dump trucks for those. You know, when you look, um, for example, sidewalks, do si- sidewalks don't have any rebar in it, right? Uh, typically, no. Typically, no. Yeah. And then I've seen that like at, at the end of the island and Davis Island and different parts like the marine contractors will use them as riprap. Have you, have you dumped any of that stuff in the water or, you know? I don't, I don't know if they're still doing that, but, uh, I, but I have seen it where there's, you know, si- literally sidewalks that are crushed and then they just put them into, you know, against the seawall or if there's not a seawall and they try to pull, you know, put some, put some debris there, you know, that's actually clean and it's not going to cut anybody's foot. So it can, it, it can be the barrier between water um, and the wall. I, I've never uh, done that. Never done uh, that I've yeah. just taken it all to a, a concrete yeah. recycler. I've heard of that being done, but uh, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, there was a guy that called us a couple years ago, and he was like, oh, we just want your sidewalks. And I was like, what are you going to do with my sidewalks? He was like, oh, I want to throw it in my back of my you know, yard. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you can just do that. You know, you got to talk with the Corps of Engineers or someone. You can't just, you know, we can't just, you know, lift sidewalks, old sidewalks over your house and dump them in the back of your yard, you know. Right. I don't, um, I don't think you can do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So There's got to be some permits that's required for it. Yeah, well, well, I tell you, um, we're excited about where the city's going. I mean, like you mentioned, there's a ton of business out there. Are you doing construction as it relates to going in homes and demoing walls and things like that, or is it mainly heavy, the heavy construction of demoing a home? I'm just set up just to do the uh, the heavy demolition. I don't I don't do uh, selective demolition. Right. Uh, every once in a while, I'll do it, but not too often. And then, how many crews do you have? We run four crews continuously, okay. uh, five to six days a week. Oh, wow. So you can take literally four homes down in a day? Yes. That's pretty impressive. Actually, uh, you know, we have the larger machine, so it basically is doing, you know, the commercial work. He's actually working in Lake Wales right now. We do work with some uh, commercial developers, and sometimes we'll go out of the area to work for them. Okay. Uh, but typically we don't. We like to stay in the, in the Tampa Bay area, and particularly Tampa Tampa has the uh, the smoothest permitting system for demolition 
in in the Tampa Bay area. So I, I really like working in in the city of Tampa versus uh, you know say other municipalities. Yeah, let's talk about that. So are you going online or is it do you walk in? Uh, that's the, the thing about about the city of Tampa uh, has the Excella site, so everything is basically done online now. Yep. Uh, a lot of the other municipalities, you still have to bring physically bring the permit application to them, and that's time-consuming. Well, let's talk about the home you're going to be taking down for me later this month. Um, it's in Parkland, and the home happened to have a well, and then we we had to do some stuff, I think, before you got there. I don't know if you know, Robert had filled the well with concrete. Um, he had cut off the, you know, so I guess there was some work that we had to do before we could actually do the demo. And then what are the other things with the utility companies and things like that? Who does those call, who calls them, you know, disconnect the electric and if there's water? Yeah, we take care of that as part of our uh, permit process. We will uh, contact the electric company and they'll come out and uh, disconnect the uh the line service line and, and yep. pull their meter and then the uh, water and sewer is is cut and capped and marked so that you guys know where it's at when you uh, do your new construction usually there's some telecom on there and uh, we'll just cut that ourselves and uh, just cut it back to the pole or wherever and then the gas company as well will come out and uh, do a disconnect if there's gas service there you guys also uh, will call, there's a 1-800 number, there's a number that you call and actually they'll mark where gas lines and things are. Do you do that? Yes, uh, all, all the uh, contractors have to call in to get the uh, utility located. Right. It helps so us. when you see the different color paint and the little flags, if you've ever been around a demo site, you'll see like all these little flags that are in the ground. That's, that's what it's marking, right? It's just to tell you that there's potential danger in these areas. Right, and each keller represents the different utility that's there. Have you ever gone through a job and then accidentally ripped through the, the fiber optic lines on accident? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, we, were, we, we had a job, and if you've ever seen a fiber optic line cut, I mean, there's like a thousand wires in that thing. I mean, this is not like, you know, getting the electric tape tape and, and, and taping it back together. It's a pretty big deal. So what, what ended up happening? Is it a... Well, it's happened a couple times. Uh, one time it was a residential, and it, was, it happened to be that it was only one line. So that one was remedied pretty easily at no cost. Is it your fault? I mean, are you having to pay Verizon or whomever, Frontier? Uh, sometimes sometimes it's, it's our fault. Uh, most of the time everything's marked. You know, it's very rare that it actually happens. I did have one on a commercial site uh, that was... Uh, somewhat substantial that uh, they had to come out and repair and it did cost me a couple thousand dollars oh god uh, yeah it's just uh so even if you mark the flags there's still times that that there could be wire underneath yeah or it's not necessarily marked in the right place or we've taken up the material where it was marked so then we don't know like if it's marked in an asphalt parking lot and we take up the asphalt then we don't know then you know we've forgotten that it was there yeah yeah, that's interesting. And then septic tanks. How do you know if there's a septic tank? Uh, generally, the municipalities will let us know. Hillsborough County is very good about that, and as, as well as the city of Tampa. Septic tanks require a, their own permit through the Department of Health, and then uh, a licensed uh, septic tank contractor comes out and pumps it, and then we just remove it. And then I had heard, too, that the excavator is so heavy that sometimes it will just go right down and you could hear a pop. 
Uh, those um, are the ones we don't know about. Right. Yes, that we do encounter right. during the demolition. They're usually old uh, systems that are that have not been used for a long time because the, the uh, house has been, you know, is on sewer. And if you're on the excavator, you could physically, you know, feel oh, the yeah. back of the excavator going down or the front going down and it's on top of an old yeah. septic. You just start digging, digging for gold, right? Until you find it and rip well, it out. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it gold, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Any stories that you have from crazy demo jobs? Well, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. There's been some money found here and there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh, we're... Uh, uh, the guys have come across, you know, a little stash here and there. Nothing too major, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and there. In, in coffee cans. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I tell you what, in order to get in touch with John Verratti, you can get on the web and it's magnumdemo.com, magnum, M-A-G-N-U-N, demo, D-E-M-O.com. If you're looking to demo your house, give John and I a call. We can handle all of your demolition, and I can rebuild the house for a good team. So John's been around uh, Tampa Bay since 1979. He started his business, went out on his own in 95. You're doing a great job around Tampa. You do all of our work, and we really appreciate you, bud. My name is James Ramos. I'm with Move With Me Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at JRTPA, and my website's jamesramos.com. Great show, bud. I appreciate having you on, and um, we'll be on uh, next week. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed all of the program or want to hear it again, listen to the podcast on jamesramos.com or on YouTube at Ramos Media Network. See you next week with Ramos Design Build, Tampa Bay's premier real estate design, build, and construction company. Homes are built to bring people together. It's the place that families gather to create memories that last a lifetime. With that in mind, you want a builder who requires a design to reflect your expectations. Ramos Design Build is that company. They understand this concept, offer a concierge level of service, ensuring that you are involved in every step of the design build process. Ramos Design Build integrates the latest in construction technology, building you a home that will last for generations. Ramos has a portfolio of satisfied clients from its decades of service in the Tampa Bay community. If you are looking for a luxury remodel, a home renovation, or a custom home built from the ground up, contact Ramos Design Build at RamosDesignBuild.com. That's RamosDesignBuild.com. Hi, my name is James Ramos. I am a licensed general contractor at Ramos Design Build. When someone asks why I do what I do, I am proud to say that I help bring families back to the table. And when you partner with Ramos, we make your family's home dreams a reality. Ramos Design Build, construction, development, and renovation. A legacy since 1956.